Hey, Catholic Divas, I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm going to be talking about the Billings Ovulation Method rules. The great thing about Billings Ovulation Method is there are only four rules that you have to memorize, and then you get to apply those depending on what your life situation is. And this week, we're going to be talking about Billings Ovulation Method and breastfeeding. How do we track our cycle while we're breastfeeding? So I hope you enjoy this episode. Come on in the podcast, get your notebook and takes lots of notes and reach out to me if you have any questions. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hey, Catholic Divas, welcome back. This is the last episode in our breastfeeding series, and we're going to be talking about the Billings Ovulation Method we're going to talk about the rules and how to chart. Remember, my job as a Billings instructor is to help you make a accurate chart based on your observation. So we talked about the Billings ovulation method in the first four or five episodes, and now this is episode 24. So it's been a while and maybe you joined us and you haven't heard all of those episodes. I want to invite you to go back and listen to them. But first of all, we're just going to kind of do a review, all right? And then we're going to move into how do we chart while we're breastfeeding. So first of all, a normal cycle of a woman has four different phases. We first have our menstruation. Then we have our basic infertile pattern, our BIP. Then we move into our changing developing pattern, which is our fertile phase. And then after peak, we go into our luteal phase, which again is the infertile pattern. So remember, with Billings ovulation method, I love it because it is simple. It's sometimes not easy, although with a good coach, with a good instructor, it is easy. But the simplicity of it is, is my body giving me the signs of infertile pattern or a fertile pattern? An infertile pattern is an unchanging pattern as opposed to a fertile pattern is that changing developing pattern ending in a peak. Okay. So let's think about as we're breastfeeding. So first of all, we've just given birth, right? Now Billings ovulation method recommends that a woman begins charting her signs at her vulva around three weeks postpartum. And why do we say that? Well, we have seen women who have had their fertility actually return as early as six weeks. So three weeks is usually about the time that a woman postpartum, any blood and things like that is all done. So we start around three weeks. And again, you just make the notices during your normal activities. So Every time you walk, get up and take the baby to the changing table, just not every single time, only two or three times a day. And then in the evening, you just kind of look at your overall characteristics. What was the overall signs? 
and then you write that on your chart. And we talked about that. Again, you can go back to the episodes or you can contact me if you're interested in starting to chart. I do private chart reviews and I will be doing some classes in the fall and you'll be notified when I have set dates. There's some things in my life that I'm just still trying to work out my calendar and all that good stuff. So remember, if you're bleeding, then you're going to put a red sticker or a spotted sticker. Okay. And the other aspect of it is now there's four different types of blood that are normal. Okay. Menstruation, the only time we call blood menstruation is if we have actually indicated that ovulation has occurred. If it hasn't occurred, then we could either have withdrawal bleeding or breakthrough bleeding or implantation bleeding. Those are the four normal types of bleeding. Okay. And so we don't, in Billings ovulation method, we don't call it a period. Period is a vernacular word. And so we want to use proper terminology. All right. So today, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to talk to you about the four rules of Billings ovulation method. Why are the four rules important? The four rules are important, not only so that a married couple can make the choice to apply the rules accordingly, whether they want to wait on pregnancy or achieve pregnancy, but also it gives the ability for the woman to understand how to make those observations accurately. So she has an accurate chart so that if something happens, she needs to take it to the doctor or whatever. The thing I love about Billings, like I said, it's simple. So there's only four rules and you're going to use these rules day in and day out, depending on when you start charting. If you're 25 and you don't reach menopause until 55, you're going to be using these rules, using this charting ability, this skill for 30 years on and off, depending on how many pregnancies you have. So the first rule for ovulation method is we have three early day rules, and then we have a peak rule. So the first early day rule is we avoid intercourse on the days of heavy bleeding during menstruation. Now, why do we do that? Because sometimes ovulation could occur early in the cycles and menstrual bleeding could obscure that mucus. So we avoid intercourse on days of heavy bleeding during menstruation, early day rule one. Early day rule two is alternate evenings are available for intercourse during the basic infertile pattern. Okay, so why is that? The basic infertile pattern, remember, it's an unchanging pattern. The cervix is closed. Sperm only lasts a few hours during the basic infertile pattern because there's no mucus for the, the sperm to survive. But why do we wait that alternate evenings? Evenings only because a woman needs to be upright in an upright position to allow any mucus present to descend to the vulva. So she has that whole day to make the observations. And then in the evening, she makes her annotations and then the couple can decide. Why we do alternate evenings? Well, because we have intercourse one evening, we're going to wait the whole next day. There may be seminal fluid on that day following intercourse that is going to obscure the mucus, or there may not be. And then you go to the second day and you make those annotations. And if the BIP is still there, then you can have intercourse on that day. All right. Now, early day rule three. Early day rule three says any change to the basic infertile pattern, we wait and see. 
So what are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting to determine whether if peak is recognized, then we're going to apply the peak rule. And if peak is not recognized and the BIP returns, then we allow three days of BIP afterwards and we count those days, one, two, three on our, on our chart. And on the fourth evening of the BIP is available for intercourse. And then we go back to rule two, which is alternate evenings during the basic and fertile pattern. Okay, so why do we do this? Well, there's any changes from the BIP indicates that there's ovarian activity, some kind of hormonal pattern, a change, and so possible fertility. Okay, waiting will allow the woman to either recognize peak and then we can apply the peak rule, which we're going to get to next. Or if peak does not occur, then we want to allow the estrogen to return to that low level so the woman can recognize that the return of the basic fertile pattern has occurred. Okay. Now, what is the peak rule? From the beginning of the fourth day after peak until the end of the cycle, intercourse is available every day, anytime. And why is that? Well, ovulation can occur either on peak day one after peak or day two after peak, the egg can survive 12 to 24 hours. So we have that third day after peak. And by the morning of the fourth day after peak, the egg has disintegrated and there's no more ovulations in that cycle. Now remember, peak is identified with a changing developing pattern, ending in slippery, with an abrupt change that's no longer wet or slippery. Those three criteria have to be identified, all three of them, to identify peak. So this peak is the only day that we actually look back because, you know, we might feel slippery, we might feel slippery, and then the next day we don't feel slippery, we feel dry. And then we know, oh, yesterday was peak because it was the last day of the slippery and there has been an abrupt change and there had been a changing developing pattern. And so why is this peak rule? Well, that is now the luteal phase. The ovulation has already occurred. Ovulation only occurs once in a cycle. And now you're in your luteal phase. So the cervix is closed and there's no chance of pregnancy. Okay. Now, why are these rules really important? Well, and especially with breastfeeding. So as we're breastfeeding, remember we talked about with uh, Gina, and I even think we talked a little bit with, with Nurse Vicky as well, the two primary hormones that the body is using during breastfeeding is oxytocin and prolactin. Now, prolactin, when prolactin is increased, then the hormones FSH and estrogen are decreased. Okay, so that's what we have to remember. Now, the interesting thing is the highest level of prolactin in a woman's body is actually at childbirth. Isn't that interesting? And then it goes up and down based on how often the baby sucks. And again, prolactin is released as the sucking phases. Okay, so that's why we talked about with Gina about ecological breastfeeding, basically allowing the baby to come to the breast as often as you need, laying down, napping with the baby, sleeping with the baby, making sure, you know, in the early months, it's no more than between two and four hours in between nursing. And then as we go, now here's the thing is that the body changes according to what the baby needs and how the breastfeeding journey is developing and going. We can see as Billings instructors, we can actually see 
when a woman is charting correctly, we can actually ask the questions because we can actually see the differences based on her charting what's happening with the breastfeeding experience. Maybe um, a baby was teething and didn't nurse as often. And then there might be a change in the BIP. And that's when we have rule three. There's a change in the BIP. There's something going on. And then maybe the baby goes back to nursing more and then the BIP drops. So this is a beautiful experience. And again, depending on how long the breastfeeding experience lasts, your cycle could be 180 days. It could be six months. Also, as the child gets older, remember we talked about beginning introduction solids around six months. There's some criteria about that. You can look that up as far as like when to actually introduce solids to the baby. It also depends on whether you are introducing a bottle. For instance, my friend Megan, who was in the military, even though the baby was receiving the milk, he was obviously not receiving the milk through her breast because they were literally not there. So she could probably track and maybe her cycle actually came back. But again, the other thing is, is that we also have infertile cycles. And so that's one of those other things that we watch we look at as teachers, is ovulation occurring? Has peak actually been achieved? Can we identify peak? And is the luteal phase healthy? Remember, a healthy luteal phase for a fertile cycle is between 11 to 16 days. So if it's less than 11 days, even though there was a peak identified, then it's not a fertile cycle. So it's very important to start charting about three weeks postpartum and the whole time. And then also in the description, as I mentioned to you before, you know, you're going to put your little symbol and then you're going to write the description. Okay. So you're going to write first the sensation at the vulva. What was it? What, what did it feel like? Did it feel dry? Did it feel sticky? Did it feel slippery? Did it feel wet? Whatever. And then if you happen to see any discharge, discharge includes seminal fluid, it includes mucus, and it includes bleeding, okay? So if you happen to see any kind of discharge, and then any change to your daily activity, you need to write in the description. So with a breastfeeding mom, it's really important that the baby had a cold and didn't nurse for three hours or skipped a feeding. Or if you're weaning the baby, where we skipped the night feeding, or the baby might be sick. And so maybe the baby is nursing more. Any of those changes, if you just simply write them in the descriptions, it's going to be really interesting because then you can actually annotate and you can actually see and you have a really good document of your breastfeeding experience and your fertile experience. And you can slowly see when you're fertile, when your cycle returns and when the cycle becomes fertile again. And many women like myself, because my son and my daughter, remember I, I nursed one son and then became pregnant and I tandem nursed son and daughter. And then with the daughter, I became pregnant and tandem nursed my daughter and my other son. So those three, I nursed for, let's see, seven, eight years, all consecutively between all three of them, eight years, 10 years, something like that. I don't remember Anyway, but you can be still nursing and be fertile. That was the point that I was trying to say during that little side experience. So you could still be nursing. Many times if you 
it's called child-led weaning, that the weaning is so gradual that it's moment by moment. Like my son, well, my first son, John, he got to a point where the only time I was nursing him was at nap time and then at bedtime. And then when his sister came, his dad would take him into the room and just read to him until he fell asleep. So then I could nurse with his sister. But during nap time, I was still nursing both of them. And then eventually we gradually, after a few months, he finally wasn't nursing for nap time either. But obviously I was fertile because 10 months before that, 11 months before that, I actually got pregnant with his sister and I was still nursing. So that's one of the myths. Just because you're nursing doesn't mean you're infertile. Okay. And also we talked about the ecological breastfeeding. And again, it going back to thinking about the prolactin and the sucking reflex. So basically it's kind of like the more the baby is at the breast, the more the body is going to produce prolactin, which suppresses the estrogen and the FSH. But when there's less, and again, it depends, but it doesn't mean that just because they skipped a feeding that all of a sudden you're going to be ovulating. That's why you make those annotations and you see those changes from the basic infertile pattern. There could be just a change and then it could go down. There's some sort of ovarian activity, but it's not high enough that ovulation actually takes place. This is one of the reasons why it's so, so important to have a Billings instructor walk you through your breastfeeding experience. What we do simply is we meet with you and your husband Every two weeks, about every 14 days, we take a look at the chart and we look at the pattern. Is it still an unchanging infertile pattern or has something shifted? Okay. And then we evaluate and and we, you know, as a Lelechi League mom, I can also empathize and, you know, talk about breastfeeding, but we have those questions about how is the breastfeeding going? Are we having any difficulty? Did we introduce any formula? Are we introducing bottles? Are we introducing pacifiers? Are we giving up a feeding? You know, did we drop a feeding? You may have a, a morning nap and a, an afternoon nap, and you might let go of the morning nap and then the afternoon nap, and that you can see the actual shift, which is so, so beautiful. You don't even realize it. So again, there's four rules to the Billings method. It's very, very simple. Early day rule one, we avoid intercourse during heavy, heavy bleeding during menstruation. Remember menstruation, we do not identify any bleed of menstruation unless there was an ovulation in the previous cycle. Okay. So that's early day rule one. We avoid intercourse during heavy bleeding during menstruation. And the reason, again, is because ovulation, the, the mucus could change very early and that that blood is could obscure the mucus, okay? And then early day rule two, alternate evenings of ava- are available for intercourse during the basic infertile pattern. So even when, so again, evenings only because we want the woman to make those observations to her normal activities during the day to identify, yes, we still have our, I'm still in my basic infertile pattern. Then we can have marital relations in the evening and we alternate evenings so that the next day we make sure 
that it may feel damp. There's some seminal fluid, something like that. We wait the whole, the second day, right? That alternate evening to make sure that that basic and fertile pattern is back. And then we can have relations. That's early day rule two. Okay. Early day rule three is any change to the basic and fertile pattern indicates ovarian activity. So we wait and see all early day rule three. We wait and see what are we waiting for? Are we going to recognize peak? Then we're going to apply the peak rule. If we don't recognize peak and the BIP returns, then we're going to allow three days of the basic and fertile pattern. And remember, we need to number those three days, one, two, three, and then I'll allow on the fourth evening of the BIP is available for intercourse. And then we go back to early day rule two. Sometimes, and I just had a client that was like this, she had a shift. She had a change in her basic and fertile pattern. There was a change for about four days and then her BIP returned and it returned for two days. And then there was another change in the BIP for another. So it was another three days. And then her basic and fertile pattern went back and on the fourth day was available. So again, during those two changes, intercourse was not available because there was a change in the BIP and the BIP in between was not long enough because there was only two days of BIP in between these two changes. So intercourse was not available. You have to wait to that fourth evening when the BIP returns. Okay. So that's really important. And again, it's just these rules when we, we understand these rules and we master the rules, we master the art of making the observation and simply charting, then we're going to be able to do this for the rest of our lives and it'll become second nature. Okay. Remember, if you look back in the early episodes, when I talk about the basic infertile pattern, I mentioned the spiritual practice of the rosary, right? Because the basic infertile pattern can be really boring because it's infertile, unchanging. It's like, yep, it's the same, 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 it's the same. And sometimes if we're not used to the richness and the beauty of the rosary, that's kind of how we feel like an Our Father, a Hail Mary, a Hail Mary, a Hail Mary, a Hail Mary, you know, we go on and on. It can appear to be boring. But what it is, is that it's showing you the journey. Remember, just like a pilgrimage, you know, we we have many people that go on pilgrimages for and walking for a long time, or hiking, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other, and you're continuing the journey, continuing the journey, continuing the journey. But as you notice, as you're going through the journey, depending on what you know, how long your pilgrimage is or anything, there are some changes and you're going to notice those. So again, if you are pregnant, I would love for you to reach out to me if you want to learn Billings ovulation method before you give birth. And I can go over, I can give you and your husband a, a class on all of this information. And then three weeks postpartum after you've given birth, that's when we recommend that you start charting. And then I walk with you every two weeks until we see two cycles, two fertile cycles. So it could be, it could be 18 months I'm walking with you. It could be 10 months. It could be, I don't know, depending on how long you get to choose how long you want to breastfeed, you get to see how 
quickly your cycle returns as far as a fertile cycle. And remember, the other thing is, is that not every bleed is a menstruation. That's really, really important. It's one of those myths that unfortunately we in society have not taught our women well. We think that just because we're bleeding, we are menstruating. And that is absolutely not correct. Unless we have ovulated, unless we've identified peak, there's an ovulation, the bleed is not a menstruation. Okay. There's four primary normal bleeds. Okay. Menstruation occurs after we have identified an ovulation through a peak from the previous chart, but there's a breakthrough bleed, which is a terminology that we use when the estrogen is rising. And for whatever reason, there's blood withdrawal bleed is also a terminology. And that's when the estrogen is dropping again. Those are changes of the basic and fertile pattern. Those can be normal things that we see on a chart for a breastfeeding mom, okay, based on the suckling of the baby. And then, of course, we can have implantation bleed, which is usually about 6 to 12 days after peak. And that's just a sign that we fertilized an egg, we achieved pregnancy, and that little new little baby is implanting into the endometrium. So those are the four normal bleeds that we identify that we don't need to be concerned about. If there's other things, and we're going to talk about in September, since we're going into the fall, I'm going to be focusing on the perimenopause phase of our lives because a lot of women, because they don't know how to chart, because they haven't been taught all of this, that is a real change in our life. And a lot of times some of it can be psychological, which is why I bring in the Catholic mindset coaching and really understand what are our thoughts about menopause, but then also the physical aspects, the hot flashes, the heavy bleeding, the long cycles, da, 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 da. Okay. So I hope this was beneficial to you. Please, if you are a breastfeeding mom, I would love to hear your, to write a review. Please subscribe this. If you're not a breastfeeding mom, please pass this information on to breastfeeding moms. Or if you know any pregnant moms that are thinking about breastfeeding and maybe they're concerned about getting pregnant so soon, so quickly after their birth. Okay. I would love to help you. If you are interested in, you know, hiring me as your teacher and your coach, you can reach out to me. You can DM me. You can go to my website. I offer private appointments. And like I said, in, in a few weeks, I think in September, I have to look at my calendar, but I will be announcing a class so that everyone can come. And actually, sometimes this information is hard to hear, and you need to see all of the information and then also just ask questions and things. So you are more than welcome to reach out to me if you do have some questions on this content. I would love to serve you. I really hope that this was beneficial to you. I really hope that this series, you learned a lot about breastfeeding. You heard all of the different ways to breastfeed, you know, wet nursing and transporting milk and all those wonderful things. And more importantly, you saw the benefit of breastfeeding and how God has created our bodies with these breasts. That is the purpose of our breasts is to feed our children. All right. So if you have any thoughts about your breasts, you're more than welcome to reach out to me and we can do some mindset coaching on that because I know a lot of times women 
you know, my breasts are too small. My breasts are too big. I can't breastfeed. I'm scared to breastfeed, blah, blah, blah. All of that things. I am here to serve you. That is all thought work. And I love to do the thought work because I know how important as St. John Paul talks about the body and only the body makes visible what is invisible, both human and divine. So our thoughts are invisible. Our emotions are invisible, but the body manifested, it shows through. So that's why the mindset coaching is so important. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to give you the blessing of St. Paul to the Thessalonians in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Until next week, Catholic Divas, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to invite you to the Uniquely Beautifully You program. The registration form is in the show notes, and I look forward to serving you.